Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is episode 48 of More Than a Word. I'm joined this week by Jimmy Choi. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on the show today, first and foremost. Oh, you're welcome, Brad. I'm really pleased to do it. And I love the idea of more than a word. Like, I, I, I happen to be a person where words and meaning means a great deal to me. Uh, in multiple languages primarily, but I really love when I ask people like, did you really mean that? Is that the word you meant to use? So uh, of course I'm, I'm pleased to be with you today. Awesome, I knew I picked a good person for this conversation. Well to start off, can you just tell everyone a little bit about who you are, what you do to get us going today? Yeah, so I'm Jimmy Choi I, at Arizona State University. My professional role is I'm an Associate Vice President. I lead Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Entrepreneurship and Innovation is a unit that supports and provides resources for all ASU students, faculty, staff, alumni, and the greater community in their entrepreneurial endeavors. And entrepreneurial are very specifically, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody has to be a startup founder. It definitely doesn't mean that everybody has to be a startup founder of a scalable technology startup. It means for people that are interested in solving problems, interested in making connections with people, understanding how to create value, and frankly, understanding what's your own purpose in life. What's the thing that's gonna drive you? What's the thing that you wanna get behind and put most of your waking energy and hours in besides your friends and family? So it's really about helping people discover pathways from becoming problem spotters to solutions creators. Amazing. I love the way you describe I'm going to listen to that recording later and I'm going to start describing it like that too. No, but it's interesting because I actually, I don't know if people know this, but I work for E&I here at ASU, not directly for you, but we, we, we run in some of the same circles once in a while, right? And it was interesting because a big part of our introduction to each other was kind of this serendipitous moment around the word of nunchi that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So I don't want to get too much into that. I want you to talk about it, but what does nunchi mean to you? Yeah, so uh, by background, just just um, my personal background, I'm a Korean-American, I'm an immigrant from South Korea. My parents immigrated here when I was a baby. I was raised and grew up in New York City. I still consider myself a lifelong New Yorker who's hanging out here in Arizona. Um, but, you know, living in a dual language household introduces a lot of um, dimensions of life that I think is incredibly interesting. And now, right, in reflection, you could think about these things. When you're young and your parents want you to go to Korean school or learn how to speak Korean or you're eating Korean food at home and all of your friends are eating peanut butter sandwiches and you're eating like the anchovy and rice, you know, seaweed roll up, it's a little weird. So you live in this space and place where your world is really determined by kind of your life at home and then your life in the external world. Mm -hmm. So as a Korean American, I grew up bilingual. Um, interestingly enough, I didn't actually learn, and I educated Korean, I'm using air quotes here, right? Like educated yeah. Korean meaning kind of by the book. I didn't learn that until I was much, much older. So everything I learned in Korean was kind of informally and in the household. So, you know, basic things like conversations with your parents. Eventually, immigrant households reach this point, which is um, where you might be in a position where you can't quite communicate with your parents because their first language is a different language. And they have book education, right? They're sophisticated. Their, their literary knowledge, their political knowledge is guided by things like newspapers and right, their own education. Whereas you, you learned it informally, kind of literally at the knee of your parents. Um, so the word nunchi is a perfect example of this. A nunchi is a Korean word, and the very specific definition or transliteration of it is I measure, like being able to take the measure of things by using your eyes. Uh, there's a great book out by an author named Yuni Hong, and this is what the serendipity was. I posted an article that she wrote for the New York Times about nunchi being the secret to Korean happiness. Um, so as a Korean-American, the word nunchi really means, again, literally, I measure. 
But what that translates to in terms of how you live that word is empathy, compassion, understanding, awareness, self-awareness, you know, being able to take the measure of a person, situation, context. So it's such a rich word because it, right, the application of it is what really matters. Um, and the application is in multiple settings, in social settings, professional settings, even public kind of uh, stranger settings, right? Knowing that when you get on a crowded subway platform, for example, what's happening in that crowded subway platform? You know, is there, is there any danger? Is there any opportunity for some great serendipitous interaction? Um, is there anything that you want to be aware of that might impact your decisions at that moment? So the word nunchi has so many different applications because primarily it really means contextual awareness and how you fit into that context. So it's, it's almost like if this were an echosonogram that I'm bouncing signals to you and then it's bouncing back to me and it's bouncing back to you. So that's kind of broadly what it means. No, and that's why I love bringing in words on the show that are from other languages because I often feel like we get certain English words in kind of this rut where they all are blending together, but we don't have a word that quantifies all of their kind of con congealed like power together. So this is, seems like one of those. And so it's kind of neat that, uh, that, that, I, that we get to talk about that. And I appreciate that, you know, I didn't know this word before I met you and before we kind of got introduced. So it's cool that I'm learning about this through this conversation, just like everyone else listening that might have never heard this word as well. I'm interested, have you heard this used besides the article in any pop culture here in the United States specifically um, in recent times? And what have those kind of those forms looked like? So as a Korean American, you hear this word every single day of gotcha. your life, right? You hear it as a child when it's kind of the admonishment from your mother or from your grandmother or your aunts and uncles. And usually it sounds something either like this. Uh, usually most children are exposed to the word originally with which means like, oh my, why don't you have any situational awareness? Usually it's an admonishment, right? That you don't have it. That's the way most people are introduced to it. Because then the idea is that the better evolved people cultivate the sense of nunchi. And so the better person you are, the more nunchi you have. So it really, it's a noun where it's a quality and a characteristic. Again, most children are like admonished for things like, can't you tell what's going on here? So if a child bursts into a room and is kind of rambunctious and it's a somber conversation that's happening, or, you know, it's a somber situation, it's a funeral. And, you know, kids are being kids. They're running around rooms. They're running around. The, there's sobbing kind of um, right, guests. The fact that you wouldn't know that that's something that's happening and that you would have so little empathy for people that might be in a serious situation, in a somber situation, and that you're not acting accordingly basically means that that's the pivot point for admonishment. Then as you get older, and as an older adult, whether it's as a you know, working professional or as a, usually it's kind of as a young lady or as a young man, that uh, the highest compliment that somebody can give you is that you have a lot of nunchi. Oh, right? The idea that you have such good awareness of people. And it has a lot to do with the idea of communal society. It has a lot to do with, you know, families, especially in Korean, right? They're, they're very filial. Um, grandmothers are a deep part of the family. Mothers are a deep part of the family. Fathers are a deep part of the family. It, while it can be a very patriarchal society in many ways, it's actually what I like to call the quasi-patriarchal, which really means that the mothers rule the roost. Um, and so there is this idea that you are related to each other. It's a largely homogenous culture. Koreans are largely homogenous people. Um, and so it really, especially for immigrant communities, that connection you maintain with each other 
is deeply meaningful. The idea that anybody can be your auntie, cousin, uncle, and even the words we use for strangers, they're not stranger words like ma'am. They're stranger words like auntie ma'am, mm. right? Ajma is, is a different kind of word. And I'm, I know I'm introducing a new word here, right? right. But it's, it's much less kind of that stranger, dear sir, dear ma'am. And it's much more of this idea of like, dear sir, dear ma'am, but you could be one of my aunts and our, or uncles. So the idea of nunchi, especially in professional settings, is that, you know, if you have a lot of it, it means that you're a good leader, you're a good colleague, you're a good coworker, you're compassionate with people, you know how to behave and manage up, you also know how to behave and manage kind of laterally, you know how to be both friendly and sensitive. It's quite hard, this idea that you can be all these things to all these people, because again, it's really contextual. It really does mean that when I'm sitting here with you, right, and I notice, Brad, we're having this conversation, but you look a little troubled. Are you worried about something else? Like really being able to read people, situations, rooms, and then measure your own response to things accordingly. And that's the, the idea that you don't live in a vacuum. That, that's the heart of that concept. I bounce off you, you bounce off me. I can feel the energy in the room. And I, I mean energy in that like not in a kind of new agey sort of way, but in that real sense of you are a living human individual and each one of us makes up the society that we have. So Nunchi is about knowing that you are not, you know, the solo actor. And, and I will, being from New York City, I will say that one of my biggest pet peeves is people that don't understand kind of space and physical proximity and personal space. Um, so people that could kind of like walk through and jostle through a crowd or really knock people over without a sense of, there are other people around you. And in a crowded, dense city like New York City, that happens quite a lot. But in a crowded and dense city like Seoul, South Korea as an example, there'd be much more situational awareness around, am I imposing on other people? Am I colliding with other people, both literally and figuratively in terms of emotionally or mentally. Yeah. And, and you mentioned in a couple different capacities there, it feels like the contents of this word are, for one, when you, even if you were to look at it on a very basic level of like top 10 things that employers look for when they hire new applicants, feels like the summative sense of that list is nunchi. I'm nodding vigorously. Right? Like, it feels, it's as you're saying all these things, self-awareness, social awareness, you know, communication, the ability to combine and, and, you know, multiply using these things to make yourself a more effective communicator. It feels like that list is just being, here's one word to describe it. And then on a social, a larger social scale, it feels like if you were to look at societal issues, if you want to call them today, most of them could be aided, solved, whatever you want to call it, by a, a greater stress. Yes. I think. A heightened sense of yes. nunchi. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm nodding vigorously because some people have said, you know, nunchi is kind of the the Korean summative word for exactly what you're saying. Emotional intelligence is what some people might call it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that is kind of this concept of emotional intelligence before that phrase existed. This idea that, you know, even in the family unit, even in the most micro sense of it, right, you and your parents together. And it could be as simple as you bursting into the room and saying, Mom, I really need to talk to you about something. And Amma Ega, right? And then she's like, Can't you see that I'm in the middle of something? And so knowing kind of how to introduce yourself into a setting or how you enter into a room, even in that one to one unit, is the kind of thing that you're 
parents might say, like, hey, you, you don't have enough nunchi. Then you keep moving that forward into a larger context, you know, things like that might affect you in a classroom. You know, if you see that a particular student is struggling with one type of thing and then you make it a point to brag about how great you are on that thing, a teacher might come and admonish you, like, why don't you have any nunchi? Can't you see that this student's struggling with that? You know, good for you, but stay out of this kid's way because they're trying to really learn something as well. So it shows up in all kind of settings and absolutely in the professional workplace. Um, I do think this idea that those with the most nunchi or characteristics of nunchi are probably the most likely to succeed because again, they know how to manage up, down, sideways, and they know how to be um, a responsive person. Now, the criticism of that could be, right? You know, that who is your true self? What is your true core if you're constantly just responding to other people and trying to either please other people? To be clear, it's not about pleasing other people. It's about responding to other people. Right. And so you can be um, absolutely deeply core, true to yourself, but have this wraparound characteristic of nunchi that allows you to have more empathy for other people, that allows you to stand firm for your own beliefs and your own truths. But the way you navigate that is with a sense of contextual awareness. Yeah, and I love what you said right there, right? It's not about not being yourself. It's about, again, communication, how you communicate in situations. And communication meaning listening, too. Yeah. Asking questions and the you know more straightforward definition of actually talking or, or whatever it may be. But I, it reminds me of this, this kind of thing that I always think about and I, I like to return to, which is I, the belief that I have that everyone kind of has something to say. Mm-hmm. It's about how you say it to get other people to listen. And I think that that is very relevant that's here right. because that's kind of what what this word is essentially talking about. It's not that you're not saying your thing that you believe in, but it's how you say it in a situation, how you listen in a situation to effectively reach the result that you intend to with your actions, essentially. Would that that's be right. That's story? exactly right. And so one of the things you just brought to mind was this, and I think it's Marshall McLuhan, um, who is a, one of the scholars in mass communications, right? This idea that the medium is the message. So yes, I can have something that you know I want to say to a coworker or to you know my boss or to somebody else, knowing when's the right time to say it and you know when not to act like a bull in a china shop and blurt it out in front of I don't know the the wrong kind of time in the wrong place, and so that that idea of nunchi is that as well, knowing what's the right time and right place. And so if I am you know back to this kind of analogy about you know sound, if I'm doing these echo right echolocation, I'm bouncing sound back and forth, back and forth. Part of that is to know when it's going to create cacophony as opposed to when it's going to be more harmonious. And it might be more harmonious for me to have a particular message for a person, but if I read the room and the situation correctly, that might not be the time for me to deliver a particular message, right? And if I did deliver a particular message in that particular room, if it fell, you know, if it fell like kind of like a a big, you know, thunk of, you know, an anvil dropping into the room, everybody, if you were a Korean, would say, oh, she didn't have nunchi in this situation, right? She should have had more nunchi to know that this was not the right time to do something. So it's an interesting concept because it is, again, super contextual, super time, place, people, location, environment, setting. Um, Yeah, so it's all of the above. Sure, yeah. I want to return to one thing that we talked about a minute ago, and you had said in Seoul, maybe as an example, people have a greater sense of it than maybe in a place like New York. Mm -hmm. That makes me kind of bring up the question to you of what do you think is the maybe the greatest or series of greatest determinants of one's 
Nunchi? Like, is it a geographical thing or is it, you know, parents or what, in your words, what would Back that to be? Nunchi, cultural yeah. context, right? Yeah. Cultural context because, um, and it's not a question of, for example, the sense of physical space. It's not a question of what's right and what's wrong. Culturally, there are differences in terms of personal space, right? Certain countries you can be in, the idea that the closer you get to a person means the more intimacy you're trying to derive, right? That you're being respectful by being like two inches from my face when you're talking to me as opposed to standing too far apart. And there's, you know, study after study about kind of this idea of how much proximity physically uh, engenders intimacy versus creates a sense of danger, creates a sense of broach of my own safety. So the idea, for example, in Korean culture, you know, people live physically more closely, right? There's the, the nation, it's a tiny little nation. People live in smaller homes, apartments are a little bit smaller. Uh, if you look at, for example, square footage for the uh, average person in South Korea versus in Japan, you're right, Japan is a tiny little nation. People have small homes and that's just kind of normal. So in Korea as well, it's a little bit normal for people to have physical close proximity. So it's not that you know, people have more of a wide berth when it comes to physical space. It's that they understand how they interact even in smaller spaces. So the reason why Nunchi geographically might appear more in a nation like South Korea is because from birth, right, from the time you're walking, talking, eating, moving, mobile, your parents are inculcating in you this sense of contextual awareness. So it, whether physically you're barreling through a room and it's like, hey, nunchi apsa, or you're um, walking to a room and kind of announcing yourself or being too loud or being too, right, without understanding what's happening first. So contextually and culturally, you're just being taught the concept of nunchi from the very beginning. So it's much less about, well, New Yorkers have a different sense of space versus Koreans have a different sense of space. It's just that we're raised with the understanding of knowing physical space matters, emotional space matters, even mental headspace matters from a very early age. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk to yeah. you about real quick is with your role in, in entrepreneurship here at Arizona State University where in, in many regards as an institution we're very forward thinking in this this realm, right, which is part of the reason why I came here for my undergraduate and, and why I believe you probably stick around um, here as well. I'm curious, this concept seems very, very, very relevant to the world of innovation and entrepreneurship Absolutely. and all of these things. In a few words, where do you think that is like, where do you see that the most? Yeah. So I think Nunchi is, the more Nunchi you have, I think the more innovative you can be and the more responsive you can be. So the idea of entrepreneurs, again, is really, in my opinion, it's about problem solvers. I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm agnostic to the idea of whether or not that problem is solved by a new product, a new service, or a new process. I'm agnostic to the idea of whether it's formed, you know, you have to form an actual new organization around it or if it becomes a product within an existing organization. So you can be entrepreneurial. Being entrepreneurial inside of an existing organization lets you be entrepreneurial, right? So I'm agnostic to the very specificity of, you know, how many startups are being created. Yes, those startups that are being created, I, I want to deeply support. But Nunchi is when you know the idea that there is a problem to be solved and, and how you might go about solving it. It's actually customer engagement at its best, right? It's customer discovery at its best. It's knowing like, what is this thing? What's it gonna do for people? Why is it gonna do this for people? How will people respond to it? And again, the it being product, service, or process. Um, so if you have a high degree of nunchi, you have a high degree of responsiveness to people. You have a high degree of responsiveness to culture. You have a high degree of responsiveness to changes. 
to understanding where shifts are coming in. And so that attenuation, really, attenuation to how you fit into the world and how the world fits with you and that bouncing back of information back and forth, you're constantly microprocessing, microprocessing. So imagine if you have a mindset, you're constantly microprocessing and you're thinking about other people all the time. Isn't that the basis for like what a fantastic entrepreneur is, like really being responsive to other people and their needs and how to solve it for them? But not how to solve it for them and saying, I'm going to plunk down the solution on your head, but I'm going to solve it for you and I'm going to work with you to see, is this working for you? Is this, is this, you know, is this something that's of value to you? So I feel like that natural cyclical nature of response, feedback, response, feedback can be very helpful for entrepreneurs. And if you have a high sense of nunchi, you've got almost a built-in antenna to have a latent kind of listening device practically. Oh, yeah. And it begs the question, and I would love to continue the conversation, even just not even in the physical realm of, you know, interpersonal communication, but technology. How does this concept play into that role in entrepreneurship and all in communication on, on there? Because I think it's also very relevant in that world as well in a different way that maybe some, you know, older folks might say no, but I think... I think it's probably huge. It is. And I'm laughing when you're saying that because I'm thinking of the idea of, you know, if, for example, Alexa blurts into a room, right? And they'd be like, I had a nunchi upset. Alexa, you have no nunchi. You're not supposed to blurt into the room about this. You're supposed to be like kind of the silent, able helper. So even technology being disruptive versus being enabling. The idea that, you know, if, if technology is kind of imposing itself upon you, then yes, I can imagine like an older person just being like, you have no nunchi, you're imposing upon me, as opposed to reading when I need you and want you, which is at the highest and best use of technology, right? Should be that it aids me, it empowers me, it enables me to do certain things. So even in small things like, you know, smart homes, I can imagine an older person saying to a smart home system, hey, stop butting in, I didn't ask you to do that, you have no nunchi. Absolutely. Well, I'm hoping this word comes to prominence in the United States and is used more in communication now. Hopefully this conversation plays a small role in that. I know I'm going to start start using it more because it does quantify something. And I, again, I have to about. give credit to Yuni Hong. So she's, you know, she's an author. Yeah. She's a writer. She's wrote this great New York Times column, which I posted on LinkedIn, which is what you had a chance to see. And then she does have this book out. So um, and I do think that in terms of practical applications that she would I haven't actually read her book yet, I have yeah. to confess, but I bet you if I did read her book, there'd be a lot of these similarities around the, the applications of Nunchi, both in the business world as well as in the personal world. Awesome. We'll link the book and everything too, cool. so we'll give it some credit as well. But thank you so much, Jimmy, for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time and your conversation. You're welcome. This was great. Thank you.